In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, an absolutely pivotal topic that you need to get on. You feel me, bro? Get on this thing. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. It is I, the Q-Dog, in the Moran family studio with my amazing wife, Jeannie Moran. Hello. You need some coffee in your life. You can't have coffee. Keep going. Okay, so we'll keep going. Today's topic is, I mean, it's our, spoiler alert, you already know because it's in the uh, title of the show, but I'm telling you what, this is absolutely pivotal when it comes to your relationship. And though I'm not just, it's not much to do about nothing, it is a big freaking deal. Why is it a big freaking deal? Because you could live your life for a year or two years or three years thinking you're doing something great and come to find out you're just kind of screwing it all up. And that's why you take my journey because I'm a dope, an absolute bozo. I'm slow. I'm slow to come around. I'm oblivious. But finally, when I do come around, I'm a pretty sharp guy. Mm-hmm. So that was an authentic laugh from you right there, too. I like that. So today, I don't even think I've said it yet. Today is what does that look like or what no, does it look like? You haven't. I was waiting. And here's the thing. It seems so simple, but it just wasn't for me. And that's why I'm self-deprecating because really there are some areas in my life where I'm pretty sharp. I observe. I'm I'm pretty stealth, lethal, all those other awesome words that make you a warrior and make you, you know, sound very barbaric and savage and cool. But there are some times where I'm just absolutely oblivious and, uh, it doesn't occur to me until it's already too late. But the fact is, is if I didn't make some of these mistakes, you might be making the same ones after this podcast. So thankfully for you, you've got me, and I'm going to talk you through it. What does it look like um, came to us through Coach Rita? And the best way I can kind of surmise or, you know, I can summarize it is that I want this or I expect this in my relationship or I wanted you to do this for me or this is the way it should have gone. Any number of those things that can result in downright disappointment or resentment. What does that look like is basically your expectations. Right. And it's illustrated with your Mm -hmm. words. Or your whatever your concept of that is, so the other person doesn't have to read your mind. And look, I think I think we've kind of screwed up how long we've been married or how long we're working on it. Um, because early, you know, earlier in a in an earlier episode, I was talking about how many years I've been doing this business, you know, my profession. We got married in 1999, so 1999 to 2019 is 20 years. Mm-hmm. 
2019 to 2020, that's 21. 2020, 2021, we're on 22. Married, yes, together, 23. I think it was longer than that. April 12th. I reminded you, Celso and Renee's, I reminded you, 23 years. Okay, but mar- as far as married go, we're working on year 22. Mm-hmm. I don't book out who we've been together for 23, so. So, I'm, but at the same time, I'm working on my 22nd year of work, even though I started, we got married in 99, I started in 2000. Something's weird here. Something it strange was a in the few months after we got married, honey. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, I'm digressing. Yes, you are. When you endeavor to do something great, and just an example that I'll give you a little bit later in the show. Actually, I'm just going to do it now. One of Jeannie's love languages, her top, was quality time. And so what I did in the very, you know, simple cave-like, caveman-like way is I just figured what was stressing her out, what could I get her away from, and nothing after that seemed like it mattered because I was taking her out of the stressful environment. And what I did was got her out of the house for date night and took her to the movies. And I thought I was doing something great. You didn't speak up about it for a long time. I'm not sure why. Because you were getting me out of the house. True, 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 true. (laughs) But at the same token, your need wasn't fully being met. No, but I don't think I truly understood it then either. I mean, it took Rita pointing out the fact that I was still upset about it to get me to understand why I was upset about it. So I wonder if it's one of those things where you were happy but you weren't satisfied or you were satisfied but you weren't happy. I don't know what order what order that would go in because you would get out of the house, but when you got out of the house, the quality time was you wanted to connect with me. Mm-hmm. And I spent all day talking and working. You didn't want to connect with anybody. You just wanted to go and veg out. I just wanted to, yeah, decompress. But at the same time, I would have always put what you wanted above what I wanted, but subconsciously I didn't. I just didn't put that together. Well, and now, thankfully, since we went through this process, we now know. It's like there are times where it's like, dude, we just need a really funny movie and to just hang out and watch it because I don't want to talk. I don't want to veg or go over whatever's going on. I just want to let somebody else's stupidity carry me away for a little bit. Right. But that wasn't always the case. That was your solution most of the time, but that wasn't always the case. So the strategy that Coach Rita gave us, which I'm asking you to implement immediately, is what does that look like? And that is saying what you expect or what you want is all good within reason, but no one else is in your head. So we must find a way to articulate what our needs truly are. And unless you do that, You say what you want, and then you leave it up to the other person's interpretation of what that means. So whatever you get, you truly can't be angry about because they're just doing based on what they believe you might want. Now, Jeannie and I have been together over 20 years. Nobody in the world I'm closer to than you. Okay, blue eyes? Mm. Nobody. But still, I'm not 
great at reading your mind. And it's not fair to expect me to read your mind. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I agree. I'd be scared if you lived in my head. I'd be scared if you were in my head sometimes. But that's where the teamwork comes together. I don't even want to get into that <laughs> conversation. No, I'm not getting into that conversation on a hot mic. Um, but that's where this comes together because <laughs> we would sit in front of Coach Rita and I'm pretty sure Jeannie was just you know, badgering me about how terrible I was as a human. That didn't happen. Um, but it would, it would be, well, this is what I want. And the level of frustration would be at a peak. And it's like, okay, that's what you want. Well, what does that look like? And what that does is it puts responsibility back on you to say, well, what do you really want? What is it that's going to make you feel a certain way or it's going to actually meet your needs? And that is a great question when your wife is, is upset or she's frustrated or maybe even when she's excited or happy or, or is looking to do something to create some sort of adventure. You can ask the question and then shut your mouth and just listen. Because sometimes when you when you ask somebody, okay, what does that look like? They have no freaking idea. They do not know. It's like, well, I haven't taken the time to think about what I what it looks like. I just know what I want. And so that will that could open up another area for you and your wife to connect within your relationship because then you have you have this opportunity to really find out how to articulate or how to allow that other person to articulate exactly what their needs are, and it will help your cohesiveness in your relationship so well. We do some of these things at work, too. You know, it's like, well, what, and I've asked the question before at work, what is it you want to build? And then somebody will say, I want X, I want Z, I want B, I want A. Okay, so what does that look like, and how are we going to do it? Now, I've already used one example. There was another example um, that we have down here to help you, to kind of help paint the picture for you. And that was Jeannie's need um, to feel safe or her need to feel security. And I never really asked what it was. Somehow, I just picked up on what it was and started doing those things because I, how did I even I don't even freaking know how I did it so we had a conversation and um, it came up it kept coming up with Rita that I did not feel safe and it stems from my childhood it wasn't that I was abused or anything like that it was just the environment I was in and the things going on around me I never felt safe I always felt like um, there was always a conversation of if my parents were going to split who would go where um, they never did, but it was just always that conversation happening. And I always felt like I wouldn't have safety. I, I, where, whatever happened, no matter what I chose, no matter what happened to me, I wasn't going to be safe. And um, I carried that with me all my life. So it came down to simple subtleties that I needed. I don't do well in crowds. I love hockey. I love going to games. We get there an hour early so that I can avoid the crowd. We get in, we have a routine to get what I need to get done because I have to hit the raffle thing. I have to hit my little store. I have to go to the bathroom, get my snacks, and then we sit. And I don't move again 
until about 30 minutes after the final buzzer and everybody's clearing out because I don't like the crowds. Simple ways to work through that. I don't go anywhere by myself. If we go to a hockey game, he goes with me. If I get up and move, he goes with me. It's just a safety net having you there. Um, Holding my hand, like yesterday, perfect example. We went to take Ashlyn um, whale watching for her birthday present. And there's all these people I do not like boats I do not like going on the water and I the last time we did this I was so sick it was ridiculous according to Quincy he's never seen those many shades of green so when we were walking through the crowd while we were standing around I was fine but when we started walking down the dock I immediately reached back and it was just instinct he just grabs my hand it's just an instinct as long as I have him holding me in some way shape or form I didn't worry about people crowding me because Quincy always makes people move there's, there's just that bubble that he creates for me. So I don't ever have to worry about somebody in crowding me or hurting me because I know he's got enough space between us to move people out of the way. When we were on the ship, he kept checking in on me, just making sure I was okay. If I wasn't, he made an attempt to reach back. Or even if I was, he just made an attempt to reach back and give me a grounding touch so that I didn't lose my head where we were. I actually did really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's, it's just, it's small things, but you started picking up on it right away. Some of it was, um, the security issue was not having enough food, not having enough to be what we needed for our circumstances. I mean, we had five kids under five in diapers and one income and I was pregnant again and we were trying to buy a house and it was just like the cupboards had to be full. I had to know that if nothing else, at least the kids had food, we had diapers, we could take care of them. That's all I had to know. And he worked his ass off to make sure that we did. And if we didn't, he found a way to make the extra 10 bucks so that we did. It was just something that I needed. It it sounds so like weird to me now thinking about it. It's like these are very subtle, simple things, but they help so much it's not even funny. Yeah, and I... You know, when we first got together, I was a, I was a much bigger guy, you know. So, um, for whatever that's worth, you know, it was a little easier for me to create space then, because I had such a, a bigger body. But I don't know, I don't know exactly what led to um, me create. All I know is that it's a muscle memory now. For mm-hmm. when we get in a crowd of people, I make sure, you know, I'm putting my hand around you or I'm putting my hand on the small of your back to let you know that I'm there. And those are things that I've heard you talk about me doing, but I did not know I was actually doing that. It was a muscle memory for me, but it's something that I engineered to make sure that you felt secure when we were out uh you know, in, in places, whether it was concerts or, you know, games or... Um... Well, even here, like, we, we've we had moments where, um, you know, things will get heated with autism, and I, a lot of the time I feel like I'm taking the weight myself because you're at work, and I'm dealing with it, and I'm in the middle of whatever, and when you have more than one... Autism has this funny little way of feeding off of the other. So if one goes haywire, the other one goes haywire. Mm -hmm. And it's an anxiety for me because 
what if he runs or what if she breaks something? What if she hurts? It's I'm always in that mode because we've dealt with it so many times that it's an expectancy for me. And just having him come home and he doesn't even have to say anything. Just having him come up behind me and put a hand on my shoulder. It's like, okay, I'm not by myself. I'm not handling this by myself. I can kind of back down a little bit and, and let you step in. Or there's been moments where I'm frustrated and I'm dealing with something personal and <laughs> I love this kid. He drives me nuts. So I will come in and he thinks that the best way to help somebody get out of a funk is to annoy and irritate the crap out of you and to joke. Jeannie doesn't do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quincy will tell you over the I years. I learned that the hard way. Yeah. This yeah is... I don't know. It works sometimes, but it's it's really. But you've learned to read when it works. Yeah. You've learned to read. That's the whole point. You've learned to read what it looks like. If if I'm in a certain mood, you know you could crack a joke and I would be okay. But you've learned to tell the signs that this is not the time. Because I remember the night that I, I was going through something and I was struggling. And so I came in and was just, he just would not get off my nerve. He kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And Quincy actually stepped into the kitchen between the two of us like, dude, timing. This is, this is not it. This is going to end your life. You need to just take a step back and walk away. He's like, or do you need me to get in the middle of this and I can handle it for you? And it was like, but for me, there was a moment of, okay, I'm good. Because I was ready to snap him. I, w- I was going to lose it. It's just having that, ha- knowing that I have somebody else that can read me and that can step in so that I don't feel like I have to break or I have to lose it or I have to protect myself. There's that that comfort of it. Ultimately, it'd be great you being able to develop that mechanism. I'm getting there, but it's still something that, especially in crowd situations, I have to have. Just, even if it's just holding your hand, though. That, I mean, it's, it's so simple now that I can just hold your hand and be okay. Good. Well, n- there'll never be a time where, you know, I don't want to hold your hand. So I'm cool to continue that and how whatever whatever that looks like for the next version or the next iteration of you and what you need to feel safe and secure. And like we talked about earlier with quality time, you know, you being in the house with eight kids what, 10 years old and younger, um, autism, going bananas, you know, a decent part of the day, um, just being outnumbered eight to one. Me thinking, well, if I get her out of the house, we'll go watch a movie. Part of it was we can't afford to do dinner all the time. It could have been something simple as going and, you know, spending, it's cheaper to go to Starbucks than it is to go to the movies. But it was just, it was something that I was doing it was an innocent mistake mm-hmm. without not without knowing that your need wasn't fully getting met because I'm I'm committed to meeting your needs the best I can possibly do. And you're committed to the same for me. But the mistake that we made, which I'm glad we made these mistakes because it helped us learn more about each other. The mistake we made was not getting down to the idea of what does this look like for you? Because I can do things for you my way, but that's not going to accomplish meeting your needs. Well, going back, it it was the same thing with you and I and understanding your need for sex. Because the way that I was raised and taught, it was a service. It was something that, that you know, 
men just expect you're going to do X, Y, and Z, and you're going to do it all the time. And it was, um, and if you don't, and he's not happy, he's going to go get it somewhere else. That was the mentality. And um, that wasn't the facts of it. When it came down to us finally getting to having those hard talks and you coming out and saying the, the difference between a need and a want, it's like, hold up. This is a whole different way of viewing things for me because I was taught it was just a want and an expectation that it was going to be fulfilled. And if you didn't fulfill that, you lose your husband. That's that's just what I was raised in. That's what I've always seen around me um, and, and my parents and others around us. So I took it to be, uh, that's what it was. But when it came down to, no, it's a need. I need that connection. I need to know that you and I are okay mm-hmm. while everything else is falling apart. That's the only place that we're completely vulnerable to expressing and to give and take. And it's just us. It's the purest form there is in a marriage. Knowing that and and actually understanding that that's what that looks like to you, that sex to you looks like um, you and I reconnecting and making sure that our foundation is solid with each other. Total game changer for me. But I, I didn't know because I was going based on what I had been taught, what I had seen. I mean, a majority of people I was raised around, they all thought that sex was supposed to be either like a porno or serviced. And it's like, well, okay. That doesn't make any sense now. Now, now that I know what I know, it's like, y'all are doing it wrong. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I think the I think the other thing, the other lesson within that, it goes right along with this, is that you grow up and you just do what you see unless you consciously make a decision to do something different. And in this case, Ask questions. you had a perception of what sex was because of what you saw. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we got down to the bottom of, okay, well, what does that look like? In our sex life, because we've gone, we've gone through that mm-hmm. to say, you know, what does this look like? Um, and part of that, you know, was when you came to the understanding about, you know, how men are, and I, and I believe it goes back to that marriage conference we're a part of, um, that eight week course that we did with Bill and Rita, and it goes, and it got to the point where it was like, well, this is how women connect, this is how men connect, and if you are feeding those two cycles on purpose. It does nothing but help your marriage grow. Mm-hmm. It does nothing but help strengthen your relationship. And that was eye-opening for us. And it's and, and sex is definitely not a situation where it's just, you know, you got to do this or lose your customer. It is, it's actually much bigger than that. And who, you know, it came, it came we were just listening a little while ago, a little while ago to the tail end of a of a a podcast where we were talking, you know, in dynamic listening and what we were looking at as far as how many times a week we would like to, you know, have sex. And uh the the cool part of it was is that you know, it it's maybe evolved a little bit from there with, you know, your appetite for wanting to connect. Well, it makes things different when you when you understand for me. Okay, when I understand that it's a need not a want. Okay, so we need it X amount of time during the week. We want it 
way more than we need it. But it's not always feasible given our, our family dynamic. It's just not always going to work. Lord have mercy. But, we could give you some examples you know, oh right God. now. Go, come back later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's also opened my eyes to see... Um, you know, doing things different and realizing that what we were raised with, what we were taught, what, what we thought was supposed to be a healthy sex life. I mean, just in a a conversation and it was a random conversation, but I had a conversation with someone and, um, it was like, you know, Quincy and I had talked about the conference and we had said that we both figured we needed sex about three to four times a week. Oh my God. You actually told your husband you want sex three or four times a week. Well, yeah. Oh my God. Now he's going to want it every day and you're never going to get out of it. If he doesn't get his three or four times a week, you're never going to get out of that. I don't have a problem with this. Clearly she's still living in the mindset that I recently was where if you tell me that you want it X amount of times, I have to give it to you or you're going to be upset with me or what have you. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not, that's not how this works. But it opened my mind to, Maybe there's some other things that we were taught that were wrong and we need to explore these because I just don't see this as being a problem. I see this as only enhancing things rather than hindering it. You know what I'm saying? It's like just hearing Bill that one day come out and say, oh, my God, ladies, for God's sake, buy lingerie. I about choked. Why? A, that's my uncle and my aunt who are my pastors talking about sex openly. And he just told me to go buy lingerie. And I... I was laughing internally so bad. I actually got up and left the room for a minute to go to the bathroom because it's like, oh my gosh, okay, visual, no, no need for the visual. But it was just, I hadn't worn lingerie in I don't know how many years at that point. Why bother, dude? We have kids. It's like if we got 10 minutes, we were lucky. Yeah. But now looking back and over all the progress, I enjoy shopping for lingerie and asking you, what do you think of this? Or surprising you with something. You know, when we go away on a trip, that's one of the things that is guaranteed. I'm going to take an outfit with me when we go somewhere because we have time. We blocked this time out to enjoy each other. And I know what it looks like to you. I know that you need me. I know that you want me. But how much more can I meet that need by adding just a little something extra? Yeah. You know? And in, in, it's the same thing with quality time. Going out on a date and having dinner and having a conversation, those are very important to me. But it's when we get into those really in-depth conversations that it just does something even more. Yeah. Because you're, you're paying attention to something maybe I didn't think you were paying attention to. Or a conversation comes up and we start getting into the book and that's something that both of us are really passionate about. Those conversations mean more. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't want to talk about the kids or the house or anything, but that's something that is just my own Mm -hmm. that you're grasping and taking interest in. It means more. So I I think once you know what it looks like, then you start to really explore how much more can I give you? How much better can I make this for you? Not for myself, but for you. What are the elements that I could add? You know, instead of just going out to dinner and having a conversation – Quincy might plan going out of town to go to dinner so that I know I have all this time in the car to talk, which is usually when we have our best conversations. Mm -hmm. And the first 30 minutes is always business. 
because we got to get the kids out of the way. Then when we get to dinner, we're in the conversation. And then on the way back, we're talking about other stuff that usually leads into meeting his need when we get home. And this is a whole different conversation. But it doesn't change the value of what we're putting on it. It just makes it all that much better. Yeah. And I and and kind of illustrating what it looks like is is key. It's key so that you know that your needs are getting met. And just to, you know, take a few steps back. I don't what could be the I don't have conversations between, you know, women, but what could be the downside to having three or four or five orgasms a week? I just, I don't know what the downside of that is. Maybe they aren't. Maybe he is. I don't know. That's a fair point, and but, I will move on. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It was just one of those conversations of you never, you never tell your man that you want sex this much because then it's expected you'll always want it that much, and when you don't meet the need, and it's like, I wasn't talking about his need. I was talking about mine, but, <laughs> but you know, and it... Yeah, you know, I'm kind of putting myself out there, but you're a giver, so I don't have a problem in this department. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, we have rules that we play by, and it's it's just a given for me. But I would never, in in the first few years, I did have that mindset, and I get where she's coming from. There mm. are people who think you use sex as a weapon. If you piss me off, I'm not giving it to you. You know, if you say something harsh or rude, I'm not going to give it to you. And most of the time. It comes out that it's the women that are that way. But God's honest truth, it hurts me more to withhold than it does to withhold. Oh, but you wow. know what I'm saying? Because I'm not getting that connection either. You know, how many times have we talked about nights where I, we've been frustrated or angry with each other and I've rolled over and gone to sleep crying and you had no clue I had been crying. And the reason I was was because you didn't cuddle me to sleep or there was no touch or we didn't just fix it and bang it out and go to sleep. Yeah. And that's usually our go-to is if there's an argument or there's a major hurt, there has got to be some kind of touch, some kind of physical connection. Nine times out of ten, it ends up naked. But that's just that's how we've learned to make sure our foundation is solid. Not everybody works that way. You and I do. Yeah. That's what we've developed and, you know, that's where as many ways as we're different, we're we're alike in so many ways. It's really, it's odd. I think it erases but, the insecurity of, of, because both of us come from families that have been broken. Even though mine worked through it, they've still been broken. And it's that mindset that we grew up with of, if you do this, you'll lose your spouse. And it's always in the back of your mind and mine of did I cross a line is this going to be what tips the scales you know there's always that little nagging back there mm -hmm. but us having that rule to not sever those things even when we're mad it just reiterates at least for me it re-solidifies for me I don't have to question you're going to go somewhere else and get it because you didn't get it from me because we fixed that mm -hmm. we've, we've made sure that those needs were met and we're on the same page and yeah we're still probably arguing it out and we're still working through the process of whatever it was but knowing that we couldn't withhold from each other because that's huge pulling that away from each other that that's that's huge that's pulling your vulnerability that that's if you're still pissed off and you're you're going through something hard and you can still put yourself in a position to be vulnerable with your spouse and have that intimate time then you're going to be okay but if you can't be vulnerable and you start 
pulling that back and covering yourself, but basically, you know, putting your clothes back on, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we have a problem. Now we have a real problem. Just my take on it. No, I I agree. And, you know, those, I, I would say a lot of those, some of those instances, I don't know how to measure it, but those typically come when people are dealing with resentment or disappointment or something that's happened it's turned into bitterness maybe even some guilt and that's where these deep um intimate conversations come from and it's not like what we're telling you is going to fix everything this has been over a decade in the making so you've really got to be in this like a marathon there's no quick fixes now sometimes when you're super stressed good hard hitting fast you know sex fixes a lot of things or at least it helps it helps your barriers melt away and then you can connect yeah it helps you to relax i think i mean it it's like i said you're dropping everything to be vulnerable that's the most vulnerable state there is between two people it is for me for sure and so well if you're doing it right it is um if, if you're connecting with the person and, and there's an actual emotional connection with the person that you're having sex with, then yeah, it's one of the most vulnerable places because be honest, that would be the worst time. And we've had it happen joking around or something slips out in conversation in those moments that we're, you know, getting ready to have sex. And it's like, <sighs> that hit deep. That hit really deep. <laughs> yeah. And that's probably... You know, due to my insecurities. Well, it wasn't just you, but like I said, th- those are the moments, though, that that'll have to be another episode later, I guess. But uh, it's just been sex is not a weapon, and I think too many people have learned to use it as a weapon in a marriage. Yeah. And I just, I totally disagree with that mindset. It's not a weapon. It, it's, if nothing else, it's the cement. It's the concrete that makes everything work yeah definitely and and if you're using it as a weapon you're risking keeping your foundation from ever being solid i i agree and you know if that's something you're struggling with reach out to us we can give you and your wife the outline of how we overcame that not saying that we'll have the solution to fix it because it'll take you all doing the ugly work but we can certainly speak to that and and what we've done to make it better. So that is what does it look like? Great episode. I love it. I dig it. It's awesome. Thank you, baby. Welcome. I always like talking about sex with you, baby. Ooh la la. Don't you think Johnny Bravo is sexy? No. I always want Not to be him. Even a little bit. No. How you doing, a little cupcake? <laughs> Johnny Bravo. That dude's a stud. All right. That's it. What does it look like? This is the Q Dog. She is Jeannie Moran. And this is Man versus Marriage. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You got to live on purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. 
This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast.